everybody, and welcome to our first year two episode of the GrogPod Roguelike Podcast, where most of the time for each episode that you tune in for this, uh, we we reach into our big burlap sack of rogue-style games, we dust one off and, uh, and give it a nice uh, flavor taste here, uh, and we try to uh, to rank that flavor of that rogue game uh, as best we can against all the other ones that we've uh, tasted and sampled from. Uh, I am your host of the podcast, Scott Berger, which according to the Berlin interpretation of podcast hosts, features permadeath, randomness, and grid-based movement. Joining me in the synonyms section of Webster's Dictionary are my podcast co-hosts, Hi, it's Colin. I'm an at symbol, and uh, I'm looking for the treasure. And uh, Andrew Harshman here putting the uh, ass in ASCII graphics uh, from old school dungeon crawlers of, of old. Uh, and this is Will Wright, the source of truth on all things uh, roguelike, rogue uh, light, and uh, and related. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, the first thing that we have to do is to thank our surly uh, crew here uh, for making it this far, let alone making it uh, past the threshold of podcasts dying out after three or four episodes. But uh, second year, we've done it. We've crossed the Rubicon. Woo! Uh, and in in that process, we've wind up covering a pretty broad range of video games thus far. Uh, everything from... Things that are are more on kind of the traditional end of the spectrum and things that could barely be considered uh, inclusive of the genre. Uh, but I think that's that's what this show is all about, is being casting as big of a net as we possibly can and stuffing as many goodies into our uh, Halloween treat bag of, of video games that we can. Um, so that, that brings us to our special topic today. Normal, so normally we talk about a game but today we're talking about everyone's favorite thing, the most divisive topic in alt.nerd.obsessive. What is a roguelike game? And so maybe to, to set goals here for this episode, um, Colin, this was your idea. What do we hope to achieve by answering the question of what is a roguelike? Well, I mean... I feel like, honestly, I want to achieve more what is a roguelite because I feel like we're going to uh, converge pretty quickly on what a roguelike is. Uh, but I like, I feel like there is a broad genre of game that we all enjoy and it is ill-served by the name roguelite and it is ill-defined and I think it's interesting to explore where that boundary is and what it is that that you know that puts the edge of that uh, Venn diagram on it. Yeah, I think uh, whenever we we cover a game, I like to always have a little segment of the story of this game begins. And I think the story of of well, the header section that I have in the Google Doc says, "Who cares, right? Like, why do why do we care?" Uh, no one no one cares about what a an fps is or what a a doom like is may well maybe we'll get there in a minute but who who really cares and this was actually very serendipitous because maybe like a day or two ago 
some some poor innocent little lamb stumbled into the roguelike discord channel and was like hey guys what is a roguelike game and i was furiously taking notes down and as the uh, the wolves circled in uh i mean like this is kind of a a common thing that happens right it's like someone someone's like oh i really like this game vampire survivors i'd love to learn what what are some other games like this i know i'll go to the roguelike discord or the uh, the roguelike subreddit channel or something uh, and then have a, a giant hammer crushed upon their skull. Um, I think there's, and the reason why is because, you know, th those kinds of communities have a kind of preset definition of what they think a roguelike game is uh, versus mainstream enjoyers of various games that have those mechanics might think. Uh, and the, like you were saying, Colin, the two are kind of clashing in this Venn diagram overlap zone. Um, is that fair to say? Has has everyone else had that kind of similar experience? No, never. <laughs> I I was unaware that there is this big contentious like debate going on, and and frankly, it it, it boggles my mind that people would get upset about this at, at all because there's it's just like many things in philosophy. It's like yes, there's the very strict definition. Uh, do I know I have a hand? And then there's like the well in, in well, common conversation. You know, I know I don't have a hand. Well, you're so wrong about your own self. Uh, Kenny Rogers is the best jazz musician. All jazz is the same. You're it's the chicken guy, right? Sure. Yeah. All jazz is just saxophones, right? Right. And for most people who don't aren't into jazz, that's totally acceptable. Most people aren't into like the specific games that we're into. And so most people aren't into gaming. I think, I think that's a fair statement. And so when you say, oh, roguelike, like that's going to be a general statement that means, everything that is having to do with i think just random chance i think is what a lot of people mean by that so there's a lot of just people with just get the definition wrong and it doesn't really matter until you're talking to the people that really care well or until you're trying to recommend a game you're like oh i liked this game and then they recommend cogmind like is that a good recommendation or not based off of uh other things that may, maybe, you do them similarity not. of similarity of features though you wouldn't look at like the the broad classification of it you look at like what about the game was actually fun? Yeah. I think a discussion about like the nature of fun. I'm I'm gonna put that on the <laughs> the list of things to talk about here because this this conversation. I have two definitions. They're the perfect definitions, and then we'll move on. I think that's as, as quick as that. We'll save that for hour three of the podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, maybe. Let's uh, but uh, to to answer your yeah, question, uh, Scott, uh, I I haven't encountered this specific argument, but I have seen very many in throughout you know different fandoms, different layers of uh, corners of geekery uh fierce discussions and debates um about definitions of genres and things and i would hope at least the reason that like i like to participate in such conversations is just kind of you know for the fun of it for the you know hey we all enjoy this similar genre of thing let's have a spirited fun conversation and hopefully uh in so doing um, you know, learn something uh, more about our appreciation for that thing. Uh, but you're saying that there's there's uh, people like uh, really getting getting uh, very intense about it, you say? Yeah, I mean, and I think no fault to the communities that maybe want to protect what they think their definition of a thing is. And maybe we're like, this could be generalized to basically any kind of... Uh, not extreme fandom, but dedicated fandom, we'll say, uh, where someone comes in and says, hey, I'm I'm interested in this thing. 
Uh, my understanding of this thing is something that's like very mainstream and like not like as deep into the weeds as this uh, super niche community would think. What's your guys' thoughts? And I feel like the the uh, um, immediate response is <laughs> hostility for the most part uh, in that. Well, let's take it for a roguelike example here. Take it for a walk. Someone comes in and says, hey, uh, roguelike community uh, that's been established for a while. Big fan of Vampire Survivors. What other games should I look into? And the first response that they will inevitably get is, oh, well, that's a roguelite, not a roguelike. And very useful response. Yeah, exactly. So uh, which we'll maybe we'll get into in a little bit, like whether or not that's true, but it comes off as a very sort of um, dismissive. You're in the wrong place, bucko uh, approach. I mean, they were in the wrong place, though, right? Well, how are they supposed to know, though, right? I mean, if someone if someone is like a mainstream, like, let's say, Call of Duty player their whole life, and they like, hey, Fred, you got to check out this game. It's $3 on Steam, and you you just walk around with a single joystick, and it does all the work for you. I'm like, sure, okay, why not? Oh, my God, this game is amazing, and it, like, I'm completely addicted to it. I want to learn more about this. What uh, would you say it was? A roguelike? Uh, okay, sure. Type, type, type. Hmm, maybe these people will uh, have some info for me. Slap, slap, slap. Oh, uh, now I, uh, now where do I go to hunt for stuff? Why don't I go to the Vampire Survivor subreddit and see? Well, yeah, that's that's a great that's a great <laughs> uh, point. So you know, I think that uh, you have there's two kind of uh, splits here. One is the generic, old school. We'll say like pre two thousand eight roguelike community and then anything after spelunky i think this this is uh not entirely all the the spelunky developers uh fault but uh i think that kind of cracked the egg open of now these games that are much more commercially successful have a much bigger following individually than like the pre-2008 uh ascii tile rogue games and like that's where those communities live right so yeah you're right like someone should go to the vampire survivor subreddit or discord or what have you and say this game is dope give me some recommendations please and they might get something more maybe more relevant to their interests versus coming to a community that just says it's <laughs> you know turn here off the highway to roguesville you are like that sounds like me wait a minute these games are totally different than what i was expecting but they say roguelike on the on the uh, on the cover. What's the deal? Um, I think that's where a one of maybe two major uh, contention points for Collins Venn diagram overlap are. Then the other one we'll get to is maybe meta progression. But uh, yeah. well, and I feel like the the problem is that I feel like the term roguelike was at one point probably pretty descriptive of a very specific type of game and now you probably can't really use that term you probably would need to use traditional roguelike uh is it all steam's fault to... i mean no. i think it's steam's fault but i think it's also just like the popularity <laughs> of the 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 larger genre like mm -hmm. most of the games that are like look, look at something like slay the spire slay the spire is not a traditional roguelike but it does share some aspects and 
like it's better than traditional roguelikes and that's probably men brother i i mean <laughs> like in our opinion it, it, no it just is no, i'm sorry no, but in, in our opinion or just like i like that i like slave inspire a lot and i could see people being like i want to explore every possible game that's even close to this because i somehow went from call of duty slave inspire and now i'm like oh my god my mind is opened mm-hmm. and i need all of the roguelike games and they're like i mean yeah you can't really say that and like slave inspire is not a old school traditional roguelike that describes a, a little bit more restrictive of a, of a term. And if you just use that term for everything, then you have to create a new term. And I think that's what we're trying to do here or just in the world. All right. So let's, let's un, uncork this, uh, this bottle here while, while we're at it. Um, what, what do we think our one sentence description each is for what we think a roguelike game is colin you go first this is this is all your fault <laughs> uh top down tile based uh permadeath with true loss game sure <laughs> will this isn't gonna sync up so well but um uh yeah the the very short summary is like the game rogue Ooh. <laughs> well, I uh, I thought I had come up with the, the, the shortest and simplest uh, explanation, uh, which is like, if you want to get real technical, if you want to get real pedantic, I think all it takes is impactful, meaningful gameplay defining randomization. And that mm-hmm. the other sort of key aspects that you think of normally in like, say, the, the Berlin interpretation is, are simply things that organically come out of good game design and are just a a byproduct of uh the 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 core definition maybe we'll we'll circle off the uh the zoom windows here back to me i think my one sentence description is uh a game with run-based randomized play experiences where each attempt feels fresh or unique in some way So there we go. We've solved it. Uh, Boom. Thanks for listening. Uh, podcast is over. Uh, let me just check the timestamp on here from the future. Oh, we have another uh, two and a half hours left. Okay, great. Rip. <laughs> uh, okay, so so we've talked we've talked about uh, mechanics of things. Uh, who we've all played maybe at least two or three minutes of the original Rogue game, right? I've watched YouTube videos of it. <laughs> well, I played it, and I got to level ten. So, uh, has anyone else gotten a level ten? I I was very excited. There was a computer uh, computer history museum exhibit going on in in Soto a couple weekends ago, and I thought, you know, this is this is excellent timing. I'm going to go there. They're going to have all sorts of bizarre ancient uh, Unix terminal machines there. And I guarantee at least one of them will have Rogue installed on it. I'm going to go there. I'm going to ask, hey, one of these has got Rogue on it, right? Can I uh, can I fumble around with it? I asked one of the uh, the exhibitor guys and he's like, well, it's got this other obscure game from 1979 on it. Uh, and I was like, mm. is it Pong? <laughs> is that obscure? Yeah, 
they did have a like a flight simulator thing that looked about uh, the level of potato graphics that my uh, my computer runs Microsoft Flight Simulator on. So, um, but yeah, the, I think we're in this episode comparing things that. So the the word of the day is rogue like, and rogue was a game back in 1980, which is what almost 50 years ago or something. Uh, is that how math works? Wow, um, wow, right? wow. 43 years ago. 43 years ago, which uh, I had a note somewhere written down that was like the the time between now and the original Rogue is like on par with when the original Rogue launched and like the Turing machine. Wait, yeah. Is that the original, the original, original Rogue like is the Turing? You know, uh, (laughs) yeah. 43 years before uh, Rogue was like the Great Depression. Wow, that's uh, that with, pretty wild. It was like hoop and stick. was <laughs> the hot new game? Hoop light. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, incidentally, like one of Alan Turing's earliest papers was like, could could computing machines be used for entertainment and gaming purposes? I'm like, wow, this, he really was like a hundred years ahead of his time, wasn't on he? it? Um, but yeah, so. Rogue, the original one from 1980, uh, something that really can only be experienced in its full glory on a machine with uh, yellowing plastic and uh, a kind of hot fan heat coming out the back that really just has a kind of uh, carcinogenic nostalgia to it. Uh, (laughs) And it has to be on a CRT. Is a game where you are an at symbol and you are moving around uh, squares of rooms with other letters in them that represent monsters, and you bump into them to kill them. Rogue! Indeed, and and crucially, right out of the gate, you have a huge list of commands of different interactions and, and things that you can do, such as uh, uh, Q for Quaff Potion... <laughs> And uh, <laughs> R for read mm-hmm. and the like. Pretty exciting, exciting stuff. And I think the the key differentiator here at the time was that another, like the other big game at the time was Adventure uh, 1980, which if, if you thought of like something that looked like the NES version of Legend of Zelda, but uh, from the like Atari 19... version yeah. of <laughs> Zelda. Holy moly. Uh that was kind of the reigning champ at the time. And then along comes Rogue. And like this adventure game is like, it's it's like what you would expect from a Zelda game. It's very like point A to point B, you do this thing and it's like very scripted. Whereas Rogue was like, oh, it's different every single time. Hmm. You mean I can't just follow a, a strategy guide to say that when I talk to this guy here, I should select this option and I win the game? Uh, it, it was like at the time randomness was like the key differentiator. It may look, you know, a little bit the same to some of those other games, but, um, that, that was it. Uh, and I think that's kind of where, uh, where our story truly begins. Uh, and then it, (laughs) we get the first rogue likes, which let's see if I remember off the top of my head, Moria and... Ooh, I'm gonna get crucified for not knowing the other one. Angbad. Uh, uh, which Angband later. Ang. Great name. My next D and D character name for sure. 
so yeah, you have you have these games that are like, oh, this is interesting, and people forking that idea into their own system, creating the first world of roguelikes, and then uh, way predating any of our use of the internet, uh, people saying like, oh, this is cool stuff. We want an area to discuss this. Let's go to Usenet, everyone's favorite uh, tool of the day, and discuss these games. Well, what what are these games? Well, they're like Rogue, but are they? Even at the time, there's there's uh, some great articles about how even back then, people were like, no, it's not like Rogue, because you have a, a central town, and you you have a shopkeep. That's not like Rogue. So even even in the very beginning, it was contentious of people saying like, well, okay, this game that to us nowadays is functionally identical to 1980s version of Rogue. Uh, <laughs> back then, people were like, nah. And then I guess like it kind of trugged, you know, trugged along a little bit uh, until around 2008, where we got the aforementioned Berlin interpretation. Uh, which has a laundry list of like here are the things that a rogue game needs to have and it doesn't have it forget it it's not it's not worth discussing as part of the conversation <laughs> uh these include things like random environment generation permadeath turn-based grid-based non-modal you can do everything at any time uh complex strategy resource management hack and slash gameplay exploration and discovery uh other things like si having a single player character versus many uh, monsters are similar to players and how their stats and attributes are laid out. It has tactical challenge and ASCII display. It has to have dungeons and it has to have a combat log with numbers that are deliberately shown. Tick, 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 tick. Um, this has become, I think, a an anchor that is holding the discussion back some. Hey, who gave Berlin all this authority? This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah, let me tell you, I've 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 been to Berlin. They don't know <laughs> what they're doing. They're like, oh, we're gonna have like a fairly functional like public transportation system. Oh, we're gonna have the most vegan restaurants per capita. Ah, come on, it's just a bunch of kookiness going on over there. And yeah, looking at this list of definitions, I was not familiar with this this Berlin uh, interpretation situation until recently. Um, it is so granular and so specific. ASCII graphics, give me a break. Like this, this, this interpretation is like saying, like, oh, in order to be a platformer game, like you, you must uh, jump on vaguely mushroom-shaped aesthetic squares, and you must play an Italian plumber. Like you can't jump on walls because that's not a platform. It's way too specific. I don't get of that. Can't it's a that. wall jumper now. Yeah. So if you had Rogue, <laughs> and then just actually, if you just had a tile set, a new tile set on top of Rogue, then the Berlin. Uh, definition here would say that that is not a that rogue is not a roguelike game if you just have a different tile set, which indeed, is just indeed. this if is put, why if they you fail. Put, like so Rimworld just... style graphics on it, or uh... yeah, so they just fail. So we can just throw them out right now because that's just stupid. Well, I'm this... starting to think that this you know de this definition is similar to the uh, the description of Brotato's storyline that's on the Nintendo uh, eShop. <laughs> just like some <laughs> random person like made it up. Where do we know where this came from? Like, was there an it actual came... like roguelike summit? There was. The game? I mean, effectively the same thing. I'm guessing it was. Uh, well, so yeah, there's there's wiki pages and and stuff about it, and I think like 
it has only grown in popularity over time for people to defend the old style of turn-based, grid-based, permadeath RPGs, which I think we can collectively agree on as traditional roguelikes, uh, to, to use the Berlin interpretation as like a firewall to say, no, 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 uh, over here are roguelikes because we came first and anything after 2008 that involves real-time gameplay, those it, it's not it's not the same game. Like, yeah, you can borrow elements from our genre, but, you know, it feels like a very walled garden, ex deliberately exclusive approach to say Spelunky does not belong in the in the same conversation as like um, NetHack, for you example. You know, I, so like, I agree with you for the most part. Uh, because like, for me, I'm looking at like, when I made my weird matrix of what roguelike games are, uh, you know, I would put Binding of Isaac and Enter the Gungeon pretty high on the like rogue-like category uh, in terms of randomness and all that stuff. But you play them in a very different way. Like I didn't particularly like Enter, Enter the Gungeon because I'm bad at like top-down stick shooter games. Um, that is not relevant for playing Cogmind. My ability to point quickly at something with a, a controller is immaterial to my ability to play Cogmind or any of the traditional roguelikes. Like rogue requires no skill. Like you could play rogue with, you could be a quadriplegic playing rogue with a pencil in your mouth and be significantly better at it than me. Versus you could not play Hades or Enter the Gungeon. There's, so, like, there's a lot less focus on like reactionary, <clears throat> like, um, physical like use your input skill it's yeah like entirely tactical it's, based it's it's mental skill versus physical skill right but i do think that they share more than they do they there's there's still more in common with each other than they are with uh most other game types it's mm -hmm. like you're like oh it, it's like you see two brothers who are like constantly fighting and you're like you're basically the same person and they're like no i'm not he's two inches taller and i'm i'm stronger and like well i'm dead blah blah, blah. You're like you guys are still the same like mm. so it sounds like the what we're, we're, we're the point of all this is just like how much do these like different uh game features these mechanics components the dynamics how much do they really matter for overall gameplay and for our impression like like and certain things seem to matter more than others i think we just we're talking about tile sets for instance like if we just change the tile set on something does that really matter or like for cogmine for instance like if we just change the narrative from the dnd focus to like this kind of futuristic focus but everything else is the same does that still like qualify and so we can kind of say well yeah the narrative that doesn't actually really matter so much and we can say that tile set probably doesn't matter so much but when we look at things like but we can look at like permadeath and like the run-based permadeath, we could say, yeah, yeah that's, that that's actually kind of like, yeah, that matters a lot. Tile-based, yeah. well, that's maybe that's more like up in the air, but like turn-based yeah. isn't, and like simulated environment, is it a dungeon crawler? Like we, we talked about like a number of these different features, and so we could probably rank order them, but like I think, coming back to my definition, the more of these features and the more of the more important ones that are like Rogue, the more it really is qualified. But is there a distinct cutoff point? I think that's a ridiculous argument to make.
Unless something, if something has all the properties uh, and of Rogue, and we all agreed, which we can't, the, of, of the importance of all these things, then I'd say, yeah. Then we could say that that is like definitively the thing. But like for every person, there's a definition, a different feeling about importance. And so, um, sure. But no, the fun of this is poking at like, where do you think the lot? It's like, where, where's like, how far, how far away from, uh, this before it stops being, uh, useful as a categorization tool i'm gonna say you gotta i got i got eight bullet points on features i say you gotta have like six out of eight of these bullet points to like if i had to draw a line in the sand to like be roguelike otherwise you're roguelite but okay. just have well, a couple so well, then what's the difference between a roguelite and a game that's not a roguelite like that's i i feel like honestly for me that is the more interesting discussion is not whether like the the gradations within the larger category but what is the category itself well, like is xcom a rogue light is terraria a rogue light it's is... a very very simple answer to that too it's just like does it does it have two of those elements i'm going to say two to choose a number here if it has at least two of those elements i feel and like other things then it could be a rogue light i don't even know i don't know what your things are yet but i can guarantee you that two is not enough if they're the wrong two all right, uh, I, I, I want to interject here just a, for a hot second because I think we've we've cracked open the Pandora's box of the of the light, which a like I hate I hate that word I hate rogue yeah. light. No, I it love implies, it now. It's it implies it uh, implies less goodness, right? Like light beer, you know, or like oh, it's it it just has a light dusting of. Rogue. It's also just difficult to say. Yeah, like it's phonetically what? identical to rogue, like. If someone's just like driving past in a car and says, "Hey, where should go play a robot?" You're like, D "Uh, which where was he from again?" No. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's traveling from Albuquerque west, oh. sixty miles an hour, and he says, "Like, he's you traveling go... from Moria to Angband." <laughs> <laughs> On Shadowfacts, uh... the wings, the, the with the speed of the Maiar. Mm -hmm. All right, so so That's continuing good. continuing briefly, I'll abbreviate it here with our history lesson. 2008, we have the rise of Berlin interpretation, but incidentally, we also have the same time when Derek, you created his original version of Spelunky, which was like, hey, what if I took elements from that list and I applied them to platformers? Huge explosion of popularity with that game. Kicks open the door for uh, Binding of Isaac in 2011. And then in 2013, Rogue Legacy, another platformer, comes out, which specifically says in all of its marketing material that it is a rogue light. I think this is where we see the first oh. incarnation of it, is rogue light, rogue legacy. And the way that they defined rogue light for their game at the time was meta progression. So Spelunky has no meta progression. It is just get good scrub. Uh, I mean, I guess if you count shortcuts, but you know, it's whatever. Um, Binding of Isaac, not really the same kind of meta progression. Because like Enter the Gungeon, it's like, oh, you unlock stuff that goes into the dungeon that you encounter. It doesn't make your character more powerful when you start. Rogue Legacy is the thing that tilts it on its head. Where it's like, oh, you have these passive upgrades like we see in Hades now of things that oh like the start of my run now is easier that i think is is what knocked down another wall was to say oh the developers of rogue legacy say well we're we're a rogue light 
in that sense of like the game will get progressively easier instead of just being like a constant punch in the face and it's your fault if you get burnt out and can't beat the game now the other flip side of that is so there's like meta progression roguelike versus light it's gonna be a very tongue twister episode and then our old school community which thinks roguelike versus light is based on turn-based or not turn-based versus real time and really a, that's the determining factor come on i mean there is a post uh yeah our, our uh good friends the temple of the roguelike who our traditional roguelike community uh put up a poll to say you know what is your personal very own non-transferable roguelite versus roguelike boundary and it was split, like almost down the middle between meta progression or not turn-based. And there were some stragglers for other reasons. But I was shocked that it wasn't overwhelmingly in one direction. This is so... That's ridiculous. <laughs> but that would put Slay the Spire, regardless of which one is in there, as a roguelike, which I don't think it is at all. No. But it's a, it's a roguelike deck builder, right? Is there a difference between a roguelike deck builder and a roguelite deck builder? I, I would guess that they would say that uh, Slay the Spire also fails on many other criteria, so it's still not a roguelike. Like, turn-based alone is not enough to qualify as roguelike. You mm -hmm. also have to have tiles and movement. I didn't hear that. Actions. I heard that the splitting criteria between like and light was, is it turn-based? But Well, I, I bet you they would say that Slay the Spire isn't even a roguelite. <laughs> like that's like say yeah it, it's it's so far out of the category that they're not even considering it to start with yeah you got you just got a bunch of dumb people out there voicing their opinions see they just everyone <laughs> okay. just needs to listen to will here there's which, four like of said, them the right here the voice of truth <laughs> yeah, i mean that's why i like i i like the idea of the term traditional roguelike because i feel like that is the most it's the most restrictive it's tile-based turn-based uh little to no meta progression and permadeath like those and, and random randomness like that feels like that is a you can constrain a pretty good like subset of games with that well you missed a few cr critical things there but yeah i agree i like the idea of just the the brand the traditional roguelike it makes it very clear there's no ambiguity around that this is a very much the highest level of restriction and then we can discard all those games because there's no such thing as a good rogue like <laughs> game anyways <'cause>... whoa <laughs> look out traditional you know, that's one rogue of the, 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 the berlin interpretation forgot one critical element which is i prefer uh, the nidor variation um <laughs> uh, it has to be the game has to be unfun actually you know i was playing the original rogue and i was it was surprisingly engaging but i gotta say i i think i was having some amount of fun to some extent um what 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 does this hang up with uh why is there hang up on like grid based like why does it have to be grid based i feel like no other genre definition is constrained by that like you have platformers you know that are two-dimensional side scrollers and then you have platformers that are you know are, are 3d um you have you know different fps's which are well that's probably not a great example actually i'm thinking about it <laughs> technically you did have you do have 2d two and a half d and like 3d fps's like is the yeah is the tile part like that important 
it makes it so that turn like when you because it, if you have the turn based element, which you might argue is more important, the tile yeah. makes it so that if you wanted to calculate distances, like while you're paused to figure out, well, the fireball hit will hit this thing and hit the wall and yeah. it'll blow that up. It just makes it so you can calculate things a little easier. I'm, that's my my guess. And another you Warhammer stuff. Uh, indeed. Wait, which they, they, which one? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I, I I mean I have not. So this is oh. more me me questioning. Like, is Warhammer one of the war games where you like measure things instead of having tiles? Yeah, yeah. So I think that you could theoretically have it, it's it's not the it's it's not the tiles. It's the like limited time action thing and tiles just is so much easier to implement that rather right. than like well in that I'm way drawing... i mean if, if, if it's just a if it's just a measurement of distance then like all games have like x y and z coordinates it's like every game arguably yeah i, I would say <laughs> extend that definition out i i realize no one's like dying on the hill at that but i just it keeps coming up and i thought that was yeah kind of I, I, also, I, I'm so... mm-hmm. my guess is that it's like the difference between a tile based and something like Enter the Gungeon, like where it's really the freedom of movement mm, is versus different. being constrained to a to locked grid. Well, this comes to back to, or this ties into my my crackpot theory that really, so long as you have a game that has enough meaningful gameplay impacting randomization, it kind of organically just becomes a roguelike. Because when you set off with like the task of like, I want a game that is meaningfully random, what's the easiest way to do that? What's the most like, as, as we've just discussed, put it on a grid. That's that, and that just kind of grows out of that. And same thing with permadeath. And it's like, why would you put permadeath in the game? Well, because you want to showcase this amazing randomness that you have going on. And why is the game hard? Of course, c- c- classically, roguelikes are very difficult. What's well, got to be difficult to kind of, you know, press you into that permadeath to to show off the randomization and to give you all of those exciting uh different uh different experiences and i and i would argue that games that don't have emergent gameplay or permadeath or are hard or tile based are just roguelikes that aren't very good ones (laughs) i'm gonna throw out unfortunately real quick by my definition tetris is a roguelike yeah that's one of the best games of all time i'm gonna throw (laughs) out a game here that satisfies many characteristics of roguelike. GoldenEye 64. It is run-based. It has permadeath. It has ultimate amount of randomness. It's very difficult. Uh, Life. No. <laughs> solitaire. Solitaire. Ooh, I think Solitaire like any is basically poker. a roguelike. And you, you kind of do play it on a grid. You kind, you of, kind of play it on a grid. I, I mean, it, it lacks the like movement and like progression around a world, which I think is what actually keeps it from being a, even a roguelite game in, in many ways. Like you're not moving around. You're not, there is no world at all to be random, but there is a lot of meaningful randomness in it. Yeah, this is this is why I said there has to be at least two properties just to avoid exactly this scenario where <laughs> you choose one, which is just like, oh yeah, just so, some degree of randomness, and eh, doesn't maybe quite cut it. Because oh, gameplay well, this has like human, in terms of be clear. <laughs> so, Will, this has like four categories that I think that there's there's there have to be categories that are also like if it doesn't have this, then it's not a roguelike. I don't. So, what is it like the necessary but not or sufficient but not necessary or necessary but not sufficient game like 
find a counterexample type thing. I, I suppose. I mean, I, I'm not so hung up on this, but I, I will say overall, Andrew's uh, impression of like randomness, like being a core part and of like this sort of like, I think the, the paradigm being a linear gameplay where your, your, your missions to save the world and you have to do this part thing. You're, you're, you've got to defeat the elites uh, for, you've got to do these things, be all the eight dungeons. Yeah. Like that's one style of game. And then we have this kind of divergent, this whole genre, you could say maybe fits under this category of like, Oh yeah, well, it's just like, there is maybe it's still a mission, but like the way you get there is not the same every time. And I think that's like, probably the core of it and and i think the reason that like that is fun to us is that we as human beings really like the what's what's known as variable probability rewards and not knowing what's going to happen the the surprise is very important for that dopamine hit that we get whereas if you're just doing the regular linear gameplay oh, i'm going to rush to this person i'm going to get this thing right away i'm going to and that's it's not as much it's not as engaging in that same way for our our monkey brains to interpret like oh i found the berry bush and now i'm eating the berries oh how exciting was that i didn't expect to see the berries over here yeah emergent gameplay emergent story emergent indeed uh my my definition is uh pretty flawed but i you know i'm very flawed but i was like, kind of giving myself the uh the, the 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 personal mission of like oh if i had to boil it down to like one thing um so it's you know very very imperfect um kind of by my own prompt and design uh given to myself um however going back to the concept of of, of like if we were to rank like what what's the most important element of a roguelike uh it sounds like we're, we're kind of in agreement that that randomization and that that shuffling of the deck uh is very important i'd put that up there yeah yeah, I feel, I feel like it's really there there it's some sort of meaningful loss on when you lose uh you don't just save scum. Like I I feel like if you if you have the ability or desire to save scum when you lose then that can't that that like kind of pushes it out of being truly roguelite uh and then also randomness. Um, which I think in general makes it just like you can't have too long of a run and have it be roguelike or roguelite. Like something like Civ, like Civ 4 or Europa Universalis or any of those Forex games have a lot of the characteristics of roguelites, but like, oh, I'm 25 hours into this campaign. I, if I, oh, I lost a bad battle and like my game's over, it's like, fuck that. I'm safe scumming this. I'm going to go back. And I'm going to play it differently because I'm not going to put in another 25 hours to get here. I might play this game only one time through and experience the randomness only once. Kind of like accidentally asymptotes into an RPG at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, with with random elements. Yeah, you have to be pretty hardcore to like play a game like like a Civ or like a Rim World and be like, well, I guess we're dead now. <laughs> I just uh, I just spent 30 hours building this perfect colony and then oh no I forgot about the underground infestations and now I'm doomed. That's one of the kind of under like major pillars of maybe one of the most uh early divisive of the traditional roguelike community games Dwarf Fortress in that the idea is that it's it says it like all over the place losing is fun and I think that's supposed to be like a core tenant of this genre that oh you know you know i lost but 
you know, I really want to start another run because now I know that that thing is there and I'm going to put that file away that back in my memory and I'm going to watch out for it next time. So that way the, uh, you know, the Vulcan Raven can't get me or, you know, before I can avoid this security sweep robot or something like that. But Dwarf Fortress, I think it like does that deliberately where it's like, I'm going to throw giant demons at you that are going to knock down your castle walls. Your your fortress is going to get overrun by goblins emerging from the deep caves. Uh, and that's it. And your your run is over. But an interesting thing about Dwarf Fortress is that that historical record of like everything that's happened in your fortress is saved in like the legends mode or the histories of that have happened in your world. So it's not really gone per se. And like you spin up a new fortress and people will say like, hey, remember that fortress down the road that got overrun by uh, demonic goats? Wasn't that crazy? Like there's still that kind of element of not quite meta progression, but there's there's a less of a save scummy oriented nature too. I mean, I save scum dwarf fortress all the time, so I'm going to talk. But like the ability to let it go and just say, you know, oh, it's fine that that thing lived and died and it's fine to start a new thing. This, again, we're just coming back to uh, analogies for life here, aren't we? I, yeah. uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I feel I feel like these games, like 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 a Dwarf Fortress, Rimworld, I think those are perfect examples, or Civ, or like these really long games that have like, that have a lot of these characteristics that are roguelike. Like they, I think they, they probably start out more in this, what I'll say is roguelite, which is to say like, you die, and like you you die because like in rim world like you didn't understand the freezer or like you know some something attacked you that you didn't expect then you learn and then you you're okay you actually want to restart because you're like oh i've got a better base design in mind and like i i, I realize i've learned my lesson but once you learn enough lessons and then just you just get some bad luck essentially or it feels like just bad luck that's when you feel like okay i'm gonna just reload um and so it starts yeah. to transition from the you kind i'm of... glad to die to like i put too much into this and i i, I learned that lesson a long time I, I i forgot i don't i don't need to learn that lesson again i know the game wants me to restart here but not gonna do it yeah, you kind of skill out of it being yeah. a roguelite that's an interesting idea of, of the the actual the game transitions with your skill from being a roguelike <laughs> roguelite to out, out out of that this is something I see all the time with uh, with Caves of Cud, a for sure stay tuned uh, traditional roguelike uh, grid bumper, uh, as people were jokingly referring to, um, where I think Caves of Cud is a bad, bad roguelike game. I think if you were to play that game and you spend like, you know, 25 minutes setting up your character creation and then like some it's it's very uh, God, we just did that episode on it. Uh, Cataclysm. Yeah, I say walk around the corner. The same trap. Yeah, like you walk around the corner, bam, you're dead, haha, and you're just like, well, how was I supposed to know to expect that, right? Um, at least with Caves of Cut, it gives you it. It builds in like standard RPG elements to it of like, yeah, that was kind of bullshit, huh? You'd probably want to reload that save, don't you? And you're like, yes, master, and then you know you, you are able to kind of walk back a, a, a little bit from it, but. Um, yeah, I think compared to something like Dreadmore, where, Will, you got super into Dreadmore, way way more than Colin and I did. Like, I just had no other fun games that I was playing. I, I wouldn't say I got into <laughs> it, but... I mean, but, you put a lot of hours into it. Yeah, yeah. I put a lot of hours. I didn't have there, a great time, though. Yeah. There was some level of engagement there where, like, I'm sure you walk around the corner, you get bludgeoned over the head by a diggle or something, and you're like, 
okay but like i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna restart and you know avoid that kind of trap again versus like uh you know it was 10 hours into that run i'll just hit the reload button yeah i feel like cataclysm is is the you skill out of being a it being a roguelike in some ways too like i was watching a let's play this past week after we did the episode and rated it so poorly but i was watching videos of it nonetheless um and it's like I've watched like 10 hours of this guy playing a single character. It's like this is becoming it's it's a base builder now. It's a it's a survival crafting game, not a roguelike game. Mm-hmm. Um and like other games that we've played, um uh what's the game? Uh The Last Spell. Mm-hmm. Like that is definitely a skill out of becoming a roguelike or roguelike. Like you, if you are good at it or even moderately good at it you probably won't lose and if you do lose it'll be very frustrating because you will spend so many hours getting to that point mm-hmm. i just said to be so are are rogue light games less hardcore than rogue like games what do you mean by hardcore are rogue light games light as in uh light beer or light as in oh I finally seen the light L I G H T no no it, it's very it's very simple you just take the you know it's it's light in its similarity to rogue so it's it has yeah. the the bold it has the flavor of rogue but it also has uh, the new fruit mango included in in its flavor profile <laughs> and like it's it's it has yeah some of the base properties it, or like it's a liquid but it's a completely kind of different kind of liquid like there's that's why there's a huge variety in um what that enables because you're just I building in new mechanics to is, some of the properties of rogue you you lose some of the hardcore in some aspects but you gain them in others because you are able to build more complexity on top of a character because you're not expected to lose that character in like an hour you can build a more well, complicated some ecosystem in a lot of cases. Like Hades is a rogue light game. You're expected to lose within the hour. You're expected to lose within like a 20 or 25 minute window. But I would say that Hades is it is significantly closer to the rogue like than many of the other games that we It's not a racing at. game, for example. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the the real question is how much does medic progression matter for in our in how we're looking at these games Ooh, i don't think that question. meta progression is as interest as as, as uh divisive is as important hmm. as a lot of other people seem to think it is i think of meta progression as uh automated scaling down of the difficulty yes you're basically Absolutely. just like i'm getting tired of playing at the hard mode and so i'm going to slowly slide her down towards the easy or medium mode and then when i get better i'll slide it back up that's just it just is the game doing that automatically for you? Because once you get down, once you get good at Hades, then you start adding all of the stuff back in, the heat levels and whatever, and you making it, you make it harder and harder and more hardcore. So you're basically just like, it's just like, oh, it's a computer. It's the programmer doing that work of like figuring out how hard the game should be for me. Hmm. It's just doing that automatically. 
It's brilliant. It's a really, it's a great system. Like I, I hate the selector level of difficulty at the beginning. I, I think that's the terrible way of doing it. And like meta progression is a really, I think, beautiful way of helping scale the difficulty so that the, on the axis of like your skill and the difficulty of the game, you owe the most engagement you find is right in that, the right in the middle as you extend out. And so this just automatically helps pull you into that center and uh, keep the game um, in that fun, engaging zone. So I, I love that meta progression as it's... an idea. Pretty elegant design, that's for sure. Yeah, I think I agree for the most part. And I think there's there's like different um, levels to which I want that at different times. Or like I'm in a mood for it versus others. Like um, if I'm like, yeah, you know, I want to make some more progress in Dead Cells. I want to unlock this this cool weapon. Yeah, I'll, I'll you know grind a couple levels to to get some meta currency and unlock it. Great, now I can use this thing in the future. Versus something like um, Spelunky or like Ender to Ender the Gungeon to some extent of like, okay, I'm gonna start this game knowing full well that like it's just me in the game. I don't have to really worry about grinding for anything. I don't have to worry about like. Um, going in with a specific mission objective to accomplish other than hey let's try to beat the game and that that can feel liberating in a sense of like oh it's like one less thing i have to think about like i have to think about all the other bullshit nonsense in spelunky but like i don't have to worry about like oh oh, man do i have to what how far away am i from unlocking the jetpack okay i gotta go do this other thing first before i can have the The real fun only thing that matters is that run yes there's nothing outside of it yeah. Yeah, more boring, I agree. It's not as good. <laughs> that was your point, right? Yeah. Uh <laughs> Colin, I mean, I'm looking I'm looking through your uh your spreadsheet that you so dutifully put together late last night. Why is StarCraft on this list? Oh, this is not a list of games that are roguelike. Uh-huh. This is me just like it was you know, I like okay, so I have this list that I put together of things that are kind of in roguelike games. And then I looked at each individual column and was like, are there any other games that are like this? Like I considered starting putting in games that are even less. I considered putting Call of Duty on there just to be like, I wanted to find a game that satisfied none of the characteristics. Rocket League satisfies almost none of these characteristics. But then it's actually, now that I look at it, it kind of does like, oh, well, there you go. Player versus world to some extent. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Or but like runs end in death. Like does losing a game in Rocket League count as run a run ending in death? I think it kind of does. Like you don't get to save Scummit and try again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the fact that it's not against other people or that it's against other people is like a fundamental difference. Um, but yeah, I think there are a lot of interesting games that uh, uh, I I you'll notice maybe that I added uh, the original Mario in here. Because I feel like that has like a surprising number of things in common. And the one thing that it doesn't have is randomness. And that like is a is a death blow. Like it's not at all like a roguelike. But it runs, you die at the end, and you have permadeath, and you go back to the start and you have no You have lives. Life. You have a few lives. Permadeath is not like Yeah, okay. Well you, you like, run out of those lives, you're in permadeath mode. I guess sure. in Binding of Isaac, you have like there's a, something that like the nine lives ability. And so does that technically pull it out of the category then or does that invalidate its permadeath characteristic mm. Ooh. but like i think like the original mario has some things that are more in common with 
roguelite games than you might um, initially think. You're like, yeah, it does have runs in it. You do die. And, and you do hit the run button. Yeah, I agree. And <laughs> like, you do, but you there, but there's no randomness. Mm -hmm. So that's like, boom. There you go. It, Randomness reigns supreme. Don't tell me speedrunners that. Speedrunners will disagree because you know they try and get that perfect pixel, and it's only a th one third of the time that allow them to jump oh, through the thing. That's, and... Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I point. think that we're. I think well, we even those to... can be predicted to some extent in certain yeah. certain games, like what sub pixels and which which yeah. frame you are on. Like, yeah. yeah, I think we have to just count out uh, uh, speedrunning as a. Is there a Mario roguelike project that anyone's be. made? <laughs> I would be shocked if there was not some kind of ROM hack that just randomized the level layout Super every time. Rogue Brothers. Ooh, interesting. interesting All right, idea. so so pivoting, Colin, kind of off of your list. Pivot. Yeah. I have a list of game genre boundaries of well, so I wrote this out before you put together your spreadsheets. I'm like, this will be a great conversation topic. Uh, how roguey is it? And Colin, I know mm. you have your your uh, scientifically inarguable percentage number there. But oh, yeah, just getting just getting a temperature read of the room. Minecraft. How roguey is it? <clears throat> Mildly. Uh, adventure mode? <laughs> is, is, isn't that a thing? Mildly. Slightly more if you're playing on actual hardcore mode. Sure. Um, Where it deletes your world after you die. Yeah. Uh, how about Diablo games? Pretty, anyway. pretty high up there, I think. I Slightly more mild, yeah. Like <laughs> moderate. <laughs> Does wait well, really? Procedurally generated worlds. Um, you've got loot that's randomly generated. You got a big focus on the random generation of enemy ener enemies of emergent gameplay through like a combination of en enemies in environments. Um, it's got those things. There's a well, single character that yeah. What, there's I, no I think, runs in it. I guess are you kidding me? Do you know how many uh, runs I did to fight greater uh, rifts? Yeah, the greater rifts. I mean, those are all runs. Uh, I remember the day in oh, I think it was sixth grade uh, in health class when a mutual friend of all of ours uh, came in absolutely crestfallen that his paladin, his hardcore mode paladin, this was Robert, wasn't it? Had gotten yeah, indeed had gotten, had gotten <laughs> <it> really? murderized <laughs> really? by uh, I forget some some kind of horrible beast, but it was it was a randomly generated you know boss monster that that had gotten him. Um, yeah, I think what uh, more than permadeath, uh, I think personally what what holds uh, Diablo back from being like a true roguelike is that the the way the gameplay is, the randomization, like it impacts the gameplay, but it's like not hugely significant. Like it, it yeah, it's like navigating the maps is like you're almost on like autopilot, like looking at the the mini map and just kind of click, 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 click going through. And so it's like the randomization. I mean, it's it's impactful, but it's not as impactful as as a true roguelike. I'm but gonna, uh, yeah, uh, moderately. What on a scale of one to ten? Uh, yeah, five average. Yeah, average it's, it's, it's a four. It's a four. It's a four. I'm gonna four pull. I'm gonna pull uh, some some words from noted friend of the podcast, Joe uh, of Monster Train fame. Uh, he his his word was a loss based game loop, and I think mm -hmm. that's a good uh, it's a good metric of like that. Like if you lose in Diablo, does it matter? If the answer is no, then then it, that's that's the kind of run type thing that I'm looking it does at. Matter. 
Like it, it matters to some degree. And in some cases in the game, it matters a lot more than others. Like you might have to do a, another 20 minute fight again, if you lost halfway does, through and you'll lose a certain level of experience or go, I don't remember what the, what you lose exactly, but does the existence of a game having a toggleable permadeath hardcore mode warrant inclusion in the conversation? Just scales it up how totally. closely it, it, I mean, that does, that's the difference between a yeah. three and a four or four and a five. Yeah. All right. Next on the list, we kind of brushed on this a little bit before. XCOM. How rogue is it? Oh, it's like a, a solid seven, easy. Seven. If not, if not eight. Iron Man no. mode. Here we come. And also like the early ones. Ooh, and it's grid based. Whew. There's no dungeon crawl, I guess. Mm. Well, unless you count a like, little the, bit the more than Diablo, maybe. No, yeah. I'll, I'll go. I'll go six with that one. I yeah. think six. Seems reasonable. All right. Because there's a lot more focus on the meta progression in that one, and there's a lot lot of other decisions. Uh, Next one on the list that will get uh, Colin's beard all agitated. Into the Breach. Is it it a rogue? How roguey is it? I haven't played it. Um, Let's see. Tile-based, permadeath, dungeon dungeon crawler. Doesn't have a a simulated environment. uh, Procedurally generated maps. Um, the game, the turn-based is, is the game doesn't have it so that things move when you move, it's you move and then they move um, but there's not a single character, there's multiple characters I'm going to say it's probably like an 8 yeah, I feel like it, count, it for some reason it ticks a lot of the boxes but it doesn't feel like a roguelike to me and I'm not sure why my take on it is that I think Colin's right to be skeptical but i think i agree with will more in that it's a like it's a it's a rogue type game applied to a different genre and it's applied to the puzzle genre right yeah okay where you have I... like yeah so so like rogue games can be a, like those mechanics can be applied to fps games it doesn't make them like a you know as pure of a rogue a traditional roguelike of course it wouldn't but it has enough of that flavor to it that, you know, would, would be close enough, I would guess. Um, which transitions very nicely into the next bullet point I have here. Uh, and speaking of beards, Deep Rock Galactic, how rogue, how roguey is it? Ooh, great question. <laughs> oh, a little bit. I, I think the, the game is like so... Hmm. I don't it's know. Unbased. I didn't play it because you guys... It's... I was like busy for the one week you guys played it. <laughs> and by the time I was like, I'm ready to play Deep Rock Galactic, you were like, oh no, we've burned our way through. We're done with it now. Rock and Stone. Glad. To the bone. Uh, I, mean, I say those hmm. words and I don't even know what they mean, really. <laughs> Rod. Six. One of the, the draws for like permadeath for me is that like it really sort of amplifies the the enjoyment and the experience of a game like there's a lot there's a lot of games i've played where it's like if there wasn't permadeath i wouldn't be experiencing as much fun and excitement um because like it's so there's there's so much on the line you know it's like it's very intense and with like deep rock galactic it's like you just you always have the option to start again run it again like who cares like even if you if you were to like slap on a permadeath option to it, like it wouldn't matter. But I, I don't know. My whole uh, definition is hinging on like randomness is number one most important thing. And the game does have a very good 
<laughs> randomization, 3D randomization system. So I don't know. I guess it's a, uh, yeah, two, three, something like that. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm, I'm saying six because yeah, it, it, I mean like in each run, like it, it does have like the procedurally generated world with like where it, it is like a hack and slash sort of thing with like items that are randomly generated um, things though. Like the first person, I think being a FPS really loses a lot of points for it being roguelike. I mean, even if it's um, even if the world is simulated and all that, like it doesn't quite make up for it. In fact, I'm going to say five actually considering all these other factors. Um yeah, not tile based. Um, <laughs> it's not uh, the it's not turn based. So yeah, five, maybe even four, four or five. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Interesting. All right, I want to throw one out. Uh, not a real game, but PUBG. <laughs> if there was a randomly generated world, hmm. Loot collection. Well, it's like it's interesting because it's player versus player. Yeah. Are there player... ver- are there yeah are there PvP roguelikes? I don't know, but like that's the Is question. That just counted, like, maybe interesting. Like, can can you have a roguelike? I guess maybe even more than that. Like, what if it was a traditional roguelike in all the ways, except for you all start on the map at the same time and it's PvP? Is that still a roguelike? Like, does the fact that like being like a, a weird battle royale elimination match does that mean it's like does that how many negative points is that? I'm going to get something wrong, but I'll say it anyway, because I'm a, I'm very confident in myself. Um, I believe Tales of Montreal, like an earlier iteration of it, Tome, had like an online multiplayer aspect. I don't think it was PvP, but I seem to recall there was like some kind of online multiplayer engagement element to it that did not disqualify it from the conversation. So I think like even if you did have a PvP aspect in there like if it was if it was like literally like and i've kind of noodled about this myself like what would cogmind look like as like a pvp game on like a multiplayer server on like i don't know something like a like a a 2d halo map or something crazy like could that even work uh and just like going off into like a mind spiral of game ideas but um i think that could work like i think PUBG has elements of like uh um bullshit item resource management uh permadeath you know if it was on a random map yeah it, ha- like it, it could be good have enough. to be on a random map i yeah. think the static mm-hmm. map is enough to like say no because then you can just like memorize where things are a little bit sure um for me i feel like the randomization just 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 having a factor a random factor is not is not enough in my definition to be roguelike it needs to be gameplay impacting impactful mm-hmm. uh to the actual gameplay and like the crux of the PUBG gameplay the most important part of the PUBG gameplay is the is the combat and is like the behavior of your other players mm. and like just randomizing the map mm. like yeah eh, i don't know it's, I, I, yeah I, I not especially i think it would just be an FPS, a PvP FPS game yeah. with a random mode. Like a your goal, mode. your goal would be to ignore the randomness as much as possible so that you can focus <laughs> on the people. Yeah. Hmm. That would be that is interesting. And 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 they did add one bit of randomness in uh, PUBG, which was uh, weather, and people hated it, and they got patched out. <laughs> and then I, whatever Fortnite is, which I don't even know enough about Fortnite to know if there is randomness in there. That's the They've thing. They've got more that, than uh, one map, right? They've got building. 
you know, I guess, I guess it. Yeah, you can do dances and you can be Darth Vader or something. Absolutely. Uh, it's a very interesting question. Sure, it could be like a really crappy roguelike. <laughs> a really bad one. We mean, you know, we, well, we've system. been using roguelike all the time, but we all mean roguelite here now that we've talked course, about all these things. I feel my, like my, we're not even being take, as we all... Yes. My hot take is You're that they're right. the same thing. Ooh, that's spicy. spicy. Because well, okay, I don't, I don't think there's... What are you talking I don't think about? there's roguelike. a meaningful enough difference... A, so A number one, I don't think there's a data-driven way to determine what is a roguelike versus a roguelite. I don't think there's any data that, so like you go to a, a store page on Steam, what data could you show me that determines this game is one or the other? Very, very, Steam's very easily. At that, then. So there, there are these properties over here, these eight properties that these perfectly listed eight properties. And mm -hmm. then you check off how many of these properties are on there. Mm -hmm. And if if it has six of them, then it falls into the. Right. How would you script that, right? Like, would you just be combing through the like the game's description or bio we add, or something? We just add these eight more like uh, like sort of categorical like things, and then the the game creators would check the boxes about whether or not the game has that. Don't, it's just so simple. I don't see why you don't see it. It's just don't Steam tags do that. Well, that. I, I don't know how Steam tags were. I thought that the creators make it, but it doesn't matter. As long as as long as these boxes get checked, well, and then we apply this metric of six out of six out of eight, mm -hmm. and then if it's if it's five, if it's five, listening five to eight or five to six or like four four to six properties, we'll call it light just to give uh -huh. it a number, and then the six to eight, we'll call it alike. So, Will, I've baited you a little bit uh, with the Steam tag question because so on Steam you have I think there's like five or six different rogue type tags for games. There's like action roguelikes, one that's just straight up roguelike. There's one that's rogue light. There's roguelike deck builder, Slay the Spire. Uh, you have Roguevania. And then there's maybe like one other one. Um, and so of, of 5,072 games that are tagged as roguelike, 3,070 are also tagged roguelite. They're not following my system. <laughs> Steam is not responding so to the many letters. The many, I mean, the many, uh, <laughs> the many so, okay. registered here's, here's mail. The way it works. All games that Certified. were called roguelites are now called roguelikes. And all games that were called roguelikes are now just called traditional roguelikes. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, that was the one that I was missing. Was uh, There's a specific tag for traditional roguelikes. And you click on that one and that's that's like the exact universe that I think for games that for the most part are not super up our alley, but yeah. like they do exist. They, they do warrant conversation to some degree. They, you know, that yeah. is the cogmind end of the spectrum. Um, but I think like the steam ecosystem uh, is super bad at this for one major reason. And that's because steam is an all or nothing catch basin where if your game has like, one tag applied for roguelike then you go into the category you search for roguelikes that thing has a chance of showing up in there even if it's one out of ten thousand tags applied it's an all or nothing search with no nuance which is which is kind of a uh a hindrance um to pivot off that the with more fun stats so for games that have at least a thousand reviews the bottom five games that have uh by by how many rogue type tags they have associated with them 
are let's see Tuho Big Battle no one's going to have heard of any of these uh Rogue Company and and so this uh, first one is 0.25% of its total tag volume are rogue based Rogue Company is 0.36% wait how many tags do these games have they have a lot they have a ton of who, of who decides tags the tags uh you go into steam you click on tags and you uh, and you like click on one to apply that tag so or you can, can you can type in one Hmm? So anyone can apply a tag to a game? Anyone can apply a yeah, tag. Yeah, that's the problem. See, democracy is a terrible idea. <laughs> democracy was a mistake. Uh, we all know we should it. have the creators of the game check the boxes for the features that it has. Here, I'm going to... Because they'd know. Up, they uh, would know. So all deep... hail Lord Gavin comes and personally evaluates your game. Yeah, just get... Right. They need to hire Will. Will is the ultimate classifier. You apply him to any situation, you're going to get... Um, very distinct edges around the classifications. It's going to be very all right. So, so not uh, wrong. So, for example, Hades. <laughs> Judgment. It's made. going to be a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> Hades has twenty four percent of its total tag volume are rogue or of some rogue type of the of that list that I talked about. That seems about right. Uh, Risk of Rain two is twenty one percent. Binding of Isaac is twenty four percent. Deep Rock Galactic has four percent of its total tag volume. As rogue based, in a terrible way. metric. Total tag volume being rogue based. Uh, I don't know. So coming again, going back to the list of the bottom five least rogue ones. Uh, maybe some of you have played Luft Rousers, Andrew. No, uh, point four eight percent. Uh, don't starve together, is in the bottom five, with point six seven percent of its total tag volume is being rogue based. So people are just giving it way too many tags then. No, yeah, so what's interesting about that is it was up to 10% earlier this year when I pulled a snapshot. And then the devs nuked all of those tags down to 0.67%. So it was like 10%. And then they were just like, no, our game isn't actually roguey. Delete, oh, delete, also delete. Wrong. <laughs> but is Stackland in there? Because according to my calculations stacklands is not only the least roguelike game we've played but is less roguelike than the majority of other kinds of games that we've played stacklands has 6.61 percent of its total tag volume is rogue based which is more than deep rock i feel like that just indicates therefore this is the uh, evidence against steam tags (laughs) uh but it's interesting because like does do more steam tags make a game more roguey maybe not but rogue legacy is the number two for the top five most with a whopping 39 percent of its total tag volume being oh, we just have to go put based. weird tags on it and then they'll lower it down there you go vote vote with your feet people you just have to have the expert reviewers, like a gene picks, sort of like just go in there and just like do all like one person does their own evaluation of uh these games to Gene's give the true tags. <laughs> uh, like, oh, I'm gonna go with gene picks because I know gene always picks the right uh, games and the right well, that's tags. what steam curators look, look, are supposed look, to be look. for. We know the true arbiter of taste. It's chat GPT. <laughs> there we oh, go. See, just go all right, all right. We have to open up chat GPT and just ask, is this game roguelike? And then each one in there, and if it says yes, then we're good. Answer only yes or no. Yeah, actually, I wonder. I, yeah, I'm going there right now. What what game should I ask? Just go through that list. Go 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 through your list and just add no, a new just, column, just, which just is tell like me just, just one name. Just uh, 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 inscription. Uh, inscription is too new, probably. Right? When did it come out? Do Binding Kenshi. of Isaac. Do Kenshi. 
Uh, or Majora's oh, Mask. Is that a golly. is that a rogue? Is that a rogue Zelda game? Well, there are randomizers for speedrunning for those, but again, I don't know if the randomization like randomizes the gameplay that much. All right. Is Kenshi a roguelike game? Rate it one to ten. Uh GPT four is stalling. <laughs> Oh my uh, gosh, it's such a lofty issue that even all this computer power, computer um, calculation, it says power that it is can not do it. traditionally classified as a roguelike. Oh my gosh. Free, for, free roaming squad based RPG with open ended sandbox world. Rating Kenshi on a 1 to 10 is subjective. God damn it, this is I, why I hate ChatGPT now. You know, Bard now. would have said it was a roguelike, just saying. It says maybe 8 or 9 out of 10. That's too high. <laughs> it's hallucinating. Uh, Colin, wait, Colin, no, no. This is like rating it as a as a game, like for how good it is, which is okay. Oh. There we go. Mm, good okay. job, good job, uh, ChatGPT. Colin, you were asking about uh, board games related to this discussion. Yeah, and you had a couple on your spreadsheet. I was, right, yeah, I had... yeah, like I was noodling around with uh, with Gloomhaven. The, the the digital version that you can find on Steam. And I was like, yeah, do you mean I I like I could squint my eyes and convince myself that this game is rogue adjacent in a way. Yeah, that seems like about the best you could give it. Uh, rogue adjacent. Right. But that property, that transitive property doesn't retroactively apply to the tabletop game as a result, does it? It has to be a video game, right? No. I do not think that I, I do not think that it has to be a video game to be roguelike. I think that uh, it just makes it much easier. <laughs> I think that you could do everything. Like you could play Slay the Spire with a deck of cards. Didn't they kickstart a tabletop version? Pro no, but I'm I'm not saying like a tabletop version. I'm saying that you could play the actual game Slay the Spire uh -huh. with a board game box. With someone running the monsters via like a uh, like dice and uh, like a, a description of how they're supposed to be run, it would take a really long time. It would probably not be that fun of a board game. It's a better mm -hmm. video game. But I think most roguelike games, especially the turn-based ones, you could make a bad board game and have them be substantially the same game. It just would be bad because it would take too long to run it. Mm -hmm. All I gotta say is that uh, you better thank your lucky stars that you didn't ask this question in Berlin. You would have <laughs> run out of town on a rail. Let me tell you, who um, this is very controversial. Yeah, you could totally simulate that. Are there any like existing ones? That's a great question. Uh, I don't know a ton about Gloomhaven, um, but uh, it's sort of a dungeon crawler descent. Kind of, yeah. I, I don't think there's enough direction. randomness in it to um, truly call it a roguelike game. I don't think there's enough randomness in the world, and that there's, I mean, there's pretty defined scenarios and for like mm -hmm. all of the different little levels. Like they're yeah. not procedurally generated, which uh, you can absolutely do in a board game. You could have like random tiles and place sure. them, but they, there's like a booklet, and it's like here's how you place the tiles in the way to make this scenario. Here's exactly how many monsters are supposed to be for various difficulty levels and stuff like that. So, great game though, mm -hmm. very good game. So, uh, while you're chatting there, I I have j I just just to verify that um, you know ChatGPT is in fact um, 
it's the smartest thing out there. I, I you know, I gave it the one to ten sort of in the roguelike, and I just to establish the bounds. Cogmine is like ten. Uh, Mario sixty four one. Slay the Spire is a an eight or a nine. XCOM is a four or five. FTL is an eight. Um, yeah, sound about right. Yeah. So like, it's just distilling <laughs> the wisdom of the internet. Right. It's um. I think that uh. Yeah. Just screw tagging and screw having. You know. Obviously, the will <laughs> will picks and the will tags would be phenomenal. But Chat GPT tags would probably be pretty good. Hmm. Yeah. All right. All future future episodes has to have to include like what does ChatGPT think about how <laughs> roguelike this game is, or just have it give us the rating out of out of ten, just like for the the funness of the game, like we've been doing. <laughs> just have and, it write the whole episode and and uh, then we'll <laughs> put it into seven labs or whatever. Eleven, 11 labs. labs. Yeah. I mean, my voice is already synthesized. You could just have it just you know argue with you all and interrupt you all it'll be great we Truly, laugh but we are, but uh, uh but spotify is doing that they're they're ingesting uh like affiliated podcast rss feed data into like auto-generated voice samples which makes me kind of almost want to pull the podcast rss feed off spotify but I don't i've know. already cloned you so it's too late <laughs> yeah there you go well, it's too late. I mean, too late. I've got all this audio. I mean, why wouldn't I? I've already captured your soul. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta catch him up. Andrew, I feel right. like you would be well posed for one of these philosophy corner questions that I have. Oh, is that where okay. uh, the the inception of like a genre and then it's like many splinter factions that are all, again, like more similar to each other than they are different, but all trying to vie for their own corner of of the conversation mm-hmm. um and w- i think we we brushed on this very slightly at the beginning metal music genres ah yes i'm so very glad that you brought this up yes uh classically us metalheads are very uh pedantic about which subgenres uh are what and which bands fit into what subgenre because of course you got you got heavy metal you got power metal. You got folk metal. I'm talking about new metal. I'm talking elf metal. I'm talking pirate metal. We got, <laughs> now we got dwarf metal. We got all these different metals. No, most of those aren't actual like distinct genres. And um, are you asking me uh, if if metal itself is a roguelike? Yes. No, um, <laughs> we don't have rogue metal yet. I think that is, ooh, that, it could be something. Um, definitely pretty synthy. But um, does so the, yeah, this is something yeah, that does, I've been... Does, like, the metal, does the metal genre suffer from the same similar problem that the rogue genre has of like we're the og people we matter more or whatever yeah you know a, a bit uh I've, I've encountered a little bit of uh pedantry um like aggressive pedantry about what these different definitions are and i feel like i've experienced it less as as it's as the scene has kind of loosened up a bit and gotten a little bit more chiller and more like inclusive and less gatekeepy. And at the end of the day, I mean, like we've been discussing throughout this episode, uh, what like why are these labels, why are these subgenres useful? It's basically just so you can sort of uh, refine your taste and refine your ability to make recommendations to people and to like have conversations. It's, you know, it's a, it's a useful you know, uh, language <laughs> tool to have. Um, so like if I, you know, go to a show and I'm like, wow, I really enjoyed, you know, uh, this, this Camelot show that I went to recently. It's like, well, what subgenre roughly are they? Oh, they're part of symphonic metal. Well, now I can type in symphonic metal to steam. 
<laughs> and see what <laughs> uh, you know, options come up. That's and oh, Steam, okay, really. I found it's a yeah, yeah, into Steam huh? or whatever it is. Um, and uh, and and there you have it. So it's 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 useful, but uh, it's, it's it's yeah. These are these are these labels are useful to have and to have a, a general working definition. But they don't have to be one hundred percent accurate. I mean, what do we, oh, why do we got to get all bent out of shape about it? There's no need to. Um, best rogue light um, metal uh, name band name Permadeath. I don't know why it hasn't. It has, someone's oh, done that, yeah, right? <laughs> great point, Permadeath. Absolutely, should be. Well, actually, I think uh, probably be a, a death metal band, obviously, because the original death metal <laughs> yeah, band sorry, was called Death. So per, per, Permadeath. I wasn't aware of the subgenre. Or it could be a postmodern, post death uh, metal. I don't know if that's even a genre. Permadeath is already definitely a band. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, really? Did you look it up? If you can read Good. the band name logo, then. Uh, then that's here we, here we go we're, we're going to use uh mid journey for that and uh <laughs> outstanding more so, but to answer here's, your question here's the SoundCloud. Scott... i just posted the soundcloud for permadeath in the in the chat oh wonderful oh check them out they're probably pretty oh but it has an a in it it should be d i i did i did try d e t h their their tags are terror core speed core hardcore break core swan 130 pure evil atmosphere progressive death metal swedish death metal swan 105 scars Symmetry, Speedcore, Free Download, Gabber, Video Game, NRW. Free Download. <laughs> free Download is my favorite so, genre, <laughs> uh, subgenre of metal, that's for sure. So, yeah, it's it's definitely like, it's more of, at this point, I would say it's more of a meme in the metal community that like people are really aggressive about this because I, I feel like it's pretty, pretty rare that I find myself on a serious like life or death conversation mm. about what what uh, metal subgenres was. And do people like stray into like blind guardian forums and are like, I'm looking for uh, <laughs> I'm like rather power metal Sabbath music, well, actually, please. Well, inter- I remember actually, you know what? I remember like ten years ago getting pretty bent out of shape because uh, I was at a metal festival and <laughs> and in like the metal festival literature, Blind Guardian was described as a progressive metal band. Like this is an outrage. They're obviously a power metal band. Um, and then I found out later that that was just copy that they had copy pasted from like the the Blind Guardian website. And it's like, <laughs> oh, they define themselves as that. But then you get into a whole this this, this taps into another uh, topic that we were just discussing, which is like the audience's interpretation of what genre a game is versus what the developers think the genre is and mm-hmm. uh then you get yeah situations like you were saying with don't starve where oh the devs came in and decided to just nuke all those tags well i'll pivot the question over to you jazz and jazz fusion is jazz fusion a jazz light <laughs> yes is that a bad thing Oh yeah, it's very bad. It is very bad. <laughs> if it's jazz, if it, ain't got, if it ain't bebop, I don't give a shit about jazz. Are you kidding me? Traditional jazz likes is his his jam. Yeah, tradition traditional jazz like that's what's what I'm all about. If it's not between the late fifties and early sixties, mm-hmm. then oh. it's just it don't mean a thing. Only got that four swing. years of good music ever made. I mean, you did post that Bill Evans clip from 1970, though, so jazz life. Bill Evans is an exceptional man, so. (laughs) Well, do we want to, have we, have we touched on everything that we want to cover for this, this topic? Have we solved the the problem of roguelike versus light? Uh, Yes. Can we rank the debate? 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we feel uh, like we need to rank something. Otherwise, the episode's <laughs> not complete. Um, well, we do have so uh, preview for the end of the year. We're we're gonna take all of our top rated games that we've talked about and put them in an elimination bracket NFL style because I'm sure the overlap between roguelike game players and NFL listeners is quite quite a, a circle there. Um, but we've been putting putting our games into major categories. And some of these games span multiple categories, but we got to jam them into one because of playoff purposes. So uh, we have, let's see, six categories of rogue type games that we've talked about so far. Deck builders, platformers, solo dev games, uh, something that I've broadly swept over under the carpet as squad management games uh traditional roguelikes uh and you know sometimes twin sometimes not shooters stick shooters we'll say um let's see one to two stick shooters yeah um, and uh say how are these how are we going to determine the reigning champion is this also going to be in like a debate format <laughs> yeah i mean uh i have it set up so at the end of the year we'll we'll uh talk through each game versus each game or well ah, the, the okay, ones that are the ones that are lined up in nfl seating order which is as convoluted as it could be uh but yeah like so for this round this game versus this game this game uh, or All like right. a, a different game versus a different game and then whichever one we like better advances exciting um, so to rank something for this episode uh let's see we already have kind of our average rankings for those categories which with deck builders being the number one by a country mile. Uh, you would think traditional roguelikes would be our bottom one so far. Any guesses on which one is lower than traditional roguelikes for categories that we've touched on thus far? Great I already question. forgot all the categories. Yeah, let's hear the categories one more time. Categories we again are solo dev. <laughs> solo dev. Yeah, it's gonna be solo dev. That's number yeah, one. Solo yeah. dev. <laughs> Wait, that's, the, that's one of them? It's gonna be that Absolute one. worst one. Uh, <laughs> shockingly, well, no. Or, or it could no. be one with a thousand. Really? Yeah. Um, so shockingly, no, solo dev is the our third highest ranked category. Wow. Our lowest ranked one, maybe unsurprisingly, are platformer games. Platformer oh, yeah. platformers games. are terrible. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Uh well the Will's gonna reevaluate that when we get Holy to, mackerel. Our, to our Dead Cells episode eventually, but um hey. but the solo dev one does have the widest range of standard deviations with our ratings. Uh Again, deck builder is is I think our highest rated one and our one that we most align on. Um, but yeah, for these uh, these Fight Club debate episodes, where where would we slap this in our six categories of uh, of things? Are these are these conversations useful? Do like did did it feel like we walked away with this learning something? No, I had to solve Kimmy into this, so there was okay. no learning to be had. Got it. I don't know how to rank this because normally we rank this relative to other games. <laughs> well, I rank uh, this episode as uh, absolutely number one. I've greatly enjoyed this conversation, and just uh, it, of all the of all the roguelikes out there, I think the Grog Pod has been my favorite so far. <laughs> and thank you for inviting me on this That's fine why we show. It's always a good old, grand old, fun old time with uh, the Rogues Gallery here. Well, actually, I'm going to put it at eight eight out of thirty three. <laughs> Eight out of 30. Oh, 33 <laughs> episodes. I see. I was going to say, that's a wolf, Well, man. I don't actually know how many episodes we've done, but 
That sounds about right. I'd say it's like in the upper third of like interest that I felt in in the things that I was thinking about. I will say I, I do actually have two takeaways from this lovely panel that we have here. Andrew's um, concept of of the randomness being like the key in this paradigm, and so that that discussion about like that whole genre of things or paradigm of things versus like the linear gameplay that we're talking about. That's very important. Um, and then Colin's distinction of traditional rogue. Like, I think that that, that would solve a lot of the discuss the, the problems in talking about this stuff. So from now on though, I'm just going to use the word rogue light because that is actually universally, everything has some degree of roguiness to it. And so mm-hmm. you can't go wrong if you just use that term. That's my takeaway. And and I appreciate uh, you calling, uh, Colin. Let me tell you the situation. All right, I I totally I was trying to uh, play up uh, play off the fact that I mixed up uh, some names. Will I appreciate that you, the fact that you went through and came up with these distinct categories? Uh, again, very useful in uh, you know uh, defining these things and being able to eloquently discuss. All of these various games that we're we're going over, um, the the eight elements I think are uh, pretty pretty dead on in terms of like what the what the makeup generally is of these games that we're talking about. God, I'm assuming you're going to post all of this uh, unambiguously correct information that we've created. You're going to post. Yeah, our, I can our, I can our, link our that all of our nonsense pasta. in the uh, I can link all of our nonsense in the show notes. Um, yeah, I, like uh we we got an email from our our good buddy davian i think i'm gonna punt that to a a a, a future episode because we're already pretty long in the tooth on this one um and yeah like i think uh joe's thoughts that he provided to us in a lengthy google doc probably also good to to pepper out through future episodes um but yeah like i think for me i walked into this discussion thinking you know i i hate the word rogue light it feels inferior but I think as long as we all, like, again, like the, all these definitions of stupid things are all uh, personal and community dependent. And if if we have the understanding of like, yeah, traditional roguelikes are over here and they can exist in their own separate sphere, that's fine. And like, they are also roguelite to some extent because they have a certain percentage of elements that are rogue-based. So everything's a roguelite and nothing is and who cares and nothing really matters and we're all dust in the wind (laughs) uh so i'm gonna rank i'm gonna rank this episode five bags of popcorn out of five Ooh, (laughs) i think uh one thing that i came away with was that uh um with like a theory of like chocolate adjacency like i kept thinking a lot of like cooking recipes related to this stuff and i was Mm -hmm. like okay Rogue is a plain Hershey's chocolate bar. Cogmind is a fancy Theo's chocolate salted almond 45% milk chocolate bar. Dead Cells is a chocolate cake. Enter the Gungeon is a triple chocolate layered cake with a dusting of cocoa powder on top. Or, you know, or some other like flavor combo of something. And, you know, if you're going, you're like, you know, I'm in the mood for chocolate. You're going to get a whole swath of different options thrown at you. So really, it kind of depends what form of chocolate are you really interested in. And I do not want to see these tags in Steam. I'll tell you that much. I will not know what is going <laughs> hey. on. You don't want to. You don't want your choco posting all up in your uh, your Steam tags there. 
All right. Are we well, talking about the game that we're going to play for next week too? Yeah. Ooh. So yeah, again, dovetailing. We didn't we didn't talk about it in the uh, is it a rogue or not game, but uh, but yeah, Will has judiciously selected our next game that he's doing the happy dance for. Again, maybe rogue rogue adjacent rogue light to some extent, but you know, fuck it, we're gonna throw it in because it's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. That's right. Will has picked Cogmind again. No, <laughs> revisit because he loves it. <laughs> That's uh, right. Will not Colin, <clears throat> as I misspoke earlier, has chosen the drum roll. We're all doing a drum roll. Drum that's on me to say oh, rim world yeah and then the rim oh. shot being yeah okay all right it's one <laughs> uh, one of six 10 out of 10 games uh, in existence from my point of view Ooh, la, la. and um i wanted to come back to i've been wanting to come back to it for the last couple of years because i know they've got a bunch of new dlcs and um because it meets many of the qualities of a rogue light game um being tile based and uh, having procedurally generated uh world um you've got a top down view of thing if you are following lots of characters but there's lots of there okay lots there're like three characteristics that like you know that's enough uh you know so oh, whoa let's <laughs> well, just this part out it's pretty heavy on the it's like um it's a milk chocolate cake or no, sorry, not milk chocolate. It's like a white chocolate. Mm. It's still chocolate, but like you're starting to stretch the definitions. Perhaps, but I'm okay with that because it's such a ridiculously great game and what? I love uh, talking about it. I love playing it. Um, I'm already 20 hours into my current colony. And so um, just trying to trying to figure out how the, the whole um, ideology stuff works, the, the kingdom stuff, the biotech, it's all 20 I'm, hours. I'm having kids. I don't know if I like having the kids. There's, I'm going to have a lot of uh, complaints. We'll get into this, this next stuff. time. Yeah, it we'll, sounds we'll like see. it's going to be ranking pretty low. No, um, well, I'm excited to play it. It has a pretty heavy rep and uh, seems, seems... Oh, you haven't played it? It's going to be an exciting time? No, I have not. Oh, uh, I wish I were you. Cool, exciting times. Looking forward to it. All right, well, we're going to continue on into, into year two of the Grog Pod, where... The roguelike definitions are made up and the, the ratings don't matter. Uh, but if you want to send in your hate mail for why we got all the definitions wrong, you can send that in to grogpodzone at gmail.com is our email. Uh, you can uh, at us on the Mastodons, grogpod at gamedev.place. You can find us. Uh, and all of these, well, our show notes, all of our data and rankings and Google Sheets and Google Docs and slides and all those things you could ever want are all up on the website at grogpod.zone uh yeah we'll see you we'll see you next time for some uh i was about to say something rim related and we're like uh well it's the, the episode already has an e for explicit on it so whatever but uh well playing us out from this episode we've uh we've talked a lot about things that are adjacent to rogue and and all that good stuff and we've talked a lot about uh colony sims and things like that and overall i think we can agree that roguelikes are a mysterious genre so we'll leave you with the mysterious guitar music from a particularly dwarfy and fortressy game uh that's kind of helped to push the boundaries of these definitions and explore strange new territories and make this weird world that we're delving into all the weirder and better so uh, until next week, uh, embark and strike that earth. <laughs> <laughs>